You can follow along with the sermon on the Version Bible event, and I encourage you to do that as we gather together with all the notes, all the fill-in-the-blanks at the very end. Don't cheat and look at them yet, but if you miss one, you can go back and be able to see that as well. So we find ourselves as we start in Acts 4 with these words. While they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. He said, this is what you heard from me. John baptized with water, but in only a few days you will baptize, be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus had spoken to them before in his future voice. He said this before. He said, John 16, 7, he said, But I tell you the truth, it is better for you that I go away. For if I may go away, the comforter, if I may not go away, the comforter will not come unto you. And if I go on, I will send him unto you. Jesus said to his disciples, it is better for you that I go away. How could it be better that the Savior of the world, who they knew as the very Son of God, would go away? Why would Jesus make this statement? Well, simple. Because Jesus, who had been with them, was going to be inside of them by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see. Jesus planned to be more physically present in death than he had been in life. How could this possibly be? Well, his successors would be every one of us. A potential activated by the Spirit into a presence and a power. Jesus declared that he would be gone, yet he would always be present. And through his, through his declaration, was, and the declaration was made to his first disciples... Though it was made to his first disciples, it was really made to all of us. They'd be present with us in the days to come. But how devastating this news must have been to Jesus' original disciples. Because the disciples' problem is our problem. Their understanding of change was limited to a human horizon. The divine vision, the divine horizon, however, is much more expansive and more embracing. Now, you see, no one likes change. Louise, do you like change? No. Debbie, do you like change? She's okay. Rick, do you like change? Rick likes change. Mark doesn't like change. Fives don't like change. Though we live into it. We want things to stay the same. We want things to be normal. People say to me, when can we go back to normal? We're not going back to normal. Normal is going to become something totally different. And then after a while, that will become normal. But for right now, there is no normal. And this just showed how far his first disciples were from having a forward focus on his mission. The disciples heard Jesus' predictions of arrest and crucifixion and death and resurrection. All his predictions had come true. He had appeared to them multiple times. 
would have been foretold had passed. But the future still stretched out in front of them. And yet their perspective was so time-bound. So time-bound. And earth-bordered that they could not comprehend the whole picture Jesus was revealing to them. The best had yet to come, you see. But they needed Pentecost to get it. You see, the first generation of disciples kept asking why. Maybe you're asking why now. But they were failing to ask where and who. So that's why Jesus comes to speak to them in his Pentecost voice. It says, when Pentecost Day arrived in Acts 2, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. So first, his going away enables the coming of the Spirit. Something more miraculous, long-lasting, was on its way. Jesus said it was good he was going away. Because going away released his ongoing incarnation, you know, God with skin on, through the power of the Holy Spirit. The release of the divine into the human is made available to all human beings through the power of the Holy Spirit, we all have the ability to have the Holy Spirit to bring Christ to life in each one of us. You see, Emmanuel, or God with us, is not just for Christmas. It's for all the time that God is with us. Jesus never wanted to be born solely into first century Palestine. Jesus wants to be born and heard speaking out of the hearts and minds of all human beings through all of time. That's why we have Pentecost. You see, the Holy Spirit is God's breath. The Ruach. The Spirit. Verse 3, they saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. God's voice is made audible by the Spirit. Without breath, you can hear no words. The breath brings the words into speech. When you're out of breath, you can barely talk. Jesus announced his leaving to his first century disciples so he could speak to all generations of disciples. So he could be there for all of us. You see, the Spirit wants to be the voice heard so deeply that you yourself become that voice. Let me say that again. The Spirit wants to be the voice heard so deeply that you yourself become that voice. The first generation of disciples didn't get it until after Pentecost. And the Pentecost moment keeps reoccurring within the confession of every disciple. The Holy Spirit keeps Jesus alive 
speaking in us today. That's why it's important to keep Pentecost. Say, keep Pentecost at home and in the sanctuary. Keep Pentecost. At Pentecost, we sing happy birthday to the church. Though I don't think anybody brought a cake for the Holy Spirit today in the church. But the church is called the body of Christ for a reason. You see, Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, is the only reason there is a community of disciples, a body of faith that continues to be connected to Christ. And so Jesus speaks to gathered disciples then in his Holy Spirit voice. And this is going to seem strange, but needs to be said. We can overemphasize Jesus. We can overemphasize Jesus. If we put the third person of the Trinity in third place, rather than a co-equal place with the Father and the Son, we're neglecting the Holy Spirit. Amen? And neglect the Spirit is to neglect Christ. For Jesus himself said, It is better for you that I go away, for I will send you the Spirit who will guide you into all truth. John 16, 13. Jesus told the disciples, I have much more to say to you in the verse right before that. But you can't handle everything I have to say to you right now. Some of my truth needs time. Maybe even centuries to play itself out. Sometimes Jesus gives and says things to us that are so true we do not comprehend them. Or more accurately, we're not in a place of understanding what Jesus is saying. But we can trust the Holy Spirit to lead us into all the truth. We might get to see football this fall. It may be a shorter season. But one thing you know from watching football is that when a quarterback and a receiver have a play, that the receiver doesn't follow the play all the way to the end, they might miss the chance to be able to receive the ball. How many times have you seen a receiver just stop short before they were supposed to go this way and finish it out and the quarterback had nobody to throw to? We have to keep just running. And stay faithful to the play of the Spirit, even when we're not really sure where that ball is going to come, if it's going to come, or where it's going to come. It's up to us to follow the play. And when you're hearing the Spirit, you are hearing the Son. But does it sound like the Son? It's not the Spirit. The Son and the Spirit are a tag team match, always speaking and acting in tandem with each other. The members of the Trinity are not in competition with each other. One is not better than the other. But what the Son can do... In this particular case, the Spirit can do even better for this time in our lives and the lives of all disciples. You see, because Jesus is going away physically, directs our ears away from his physical body toward the corporate body, the church. The body of Christ is the preferred canvas which the Spirit speaks on and on which the Spirit draws the destiny of God's dreams and writes the story of God's love for the world. Len Sweet said that. That the body of Christ is the preferred canvas, which the Spirit speaks on, which the Spirit, on which the Spirit draws the destiny of God's dreams and writes the story of God's love for the world. Just love that. See, the Spirit 
and the church are one. From the middle of the second century, there came an early baptismal creed that ends with these words, I believe in the Holy Spirit and the church. You can't separate the Spirit and the church. When you get one, you get the other. You can't be a follower of Jesus without being a part of a community. Our story has always been interpreted and incarnated in the life of the community of the faithful. From the very first 12 that Jesus gathered all the way up to today. And see, the bread of life is now the living bread. And we must offer that bread to the world now more than ever. Do you know what the meaning of Christian is? What it literally means. It literally means little Christ. You see, only little Christs can serve that bread. Every person sharing life in community is a little Christ. After Pentecost, Christ's presence is now more profound and the bread is actually stronger than he was physically present. The church is those people who live Jesus. It's not the people who remember Jesus. Amen? People who live Jesus. Not remembering a physical Jesus in a time and place. And so last, Jesus speaks in his greater things voice. One of the most incredible things Jesus ever said to his disciples is, you will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. John fourteen twelve. Did you hear it? Jesus is going away so he can not only continue his mission on earth, so that he, but that we can do greater things than he did while he was here. Jesus didn't give women the right to vote. We did. Jesus didn't feed the hungry of the world. He's expecting us to do that. So whenever you ask that question why people are, are starving and poor, it's up to us. And we haven't done anything with it. Jesus didn't free the slaves. We did. But we still have a long way to go beyond that. And these last weeks have brought those truths into a clearer focus than ever before for me and maybe you. Maybe it's the utter horror of George Floyd's death or the fact that it's coupled with the senseless killings of Ahmaud Arbery. Maybe it's the unsettling times we're living in today. But something is truly different about what's happening in our country right now. And more importantly, maybe inside of you and me in the last few weeks. I'm realizing anew how I, as a white privileged person who has grown up in the South, and part of the problem. I realize that problem runs over 400 years deep. That it encompasses centuries of people of my heritage taking advantage of others solely because of skin color. Perhaps some of my ancestors, perhaps not. There is many folks in the North who were against slaves as there were for freedom. In the South, the other way too. And while I didn't participate in the slave trade and don't know that anybody in my family did or didn't, the events of last week have left me realizing that remnants of the structures of racism still exist 
in every part of our world. I may have even pulled over during your lifetime by a police officer because you were speeding or doing something else. Louise, I know you have, so don't pretend like you haven't. Louise probably doing 150 in like a 50 zone, and they're like, was I going that fast? Well, I've been pulled over by the police several times in my life. I never feared for my life when it's happened. I was scared. I think we're all scared when that happens to us. I almost always get a decent, decent table at a restaurant when I ask for my choice. I've never really wondered why are they seating me all the way back here. There have been times when people asked, there have not been times people have asked me if I was new to the neighborhood. I've never had people ask me if I really belong at the neighborhood pool. I've never ever had to teach my kids how to avoid getting hurt because of their skin color or have to talk about the police and how you handle it when you get pulled over. And yet, my friends of color have told me that all of these things have happened to them. I'm realizing that nothing will substantially change in our, my world and in our world unless I'm willing to make more changes in how I run my life, how I speak up. Even deeper, I'm going to have to change how my heart is set. If there's going to be real, any real change in me that affects my change in the world and everyone from the police to the protesters will have to do the same. Maybe George Floyd's murder and the hopeful public awakening of systematic racism in America came at the right time to get our attention at Pentecost. See, there are two days of Pentecost in the Bible. One's in the Old Testament, one is in the New. Both have caused me to think about hard about how to change going forward. The Old Testament Pentecost and the festival that was named after it, Shavuot, the festival of weeks, was a celebration of the giving of the law to Moses by God. It was a, a time when people had been freed, but needed a path forward. The law, regulations for living, was meant to be a path towards freedom. When I was young, like most young adults, I always thought the laws and the rules of thou shalt not were meant to hinder my freedom. But in the scripture, it's quite the opposite. Good laws bring freedom. In many ways, that's where the U.S. has tried to go over the years. We've made reforms, but we have so much more to do. We've enacted civil rights laws, but all too slowly. That has to change. We have to be actively listening and looking for places that I can change my behavior toward a life that reflects freedom and respect for everyone. The New Testament Pentecost was the same idea, but on a grander scale. It marked the call for the church to reach out beyond their own kind, beyond Jewish Christians. It's what they were asking Jesus in Acts 1. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Because that's the only kingdom that was important. The kingdom of Israel. And so he says this to them about accepting people from other tribes and tongues and nations. Jesus replied, It isn't for you to know the time or season the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem 
in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then Acts 2, 8 through 11, you see all these other people. I need to be able to see that map so I can see the map. Thank you. So you see on the map, you can see all these places. These are all the places that are listed. All these names you don't know how to say. I don't know how to say either. That's them. And when you look at all those, look where they are around the known world. And look how far they go out. That's what he was talking about. To the ends of the earth. Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. If you read the Greek that describes that call, the word for other people is actually ethnos. Where we get the word ethnicity. Ethnos literally is a call to reach out to other ethnicities and not to keep to ourselves. That's Pentecost. But the big difference is that God reached past regulations at Pentecost in the New Testament. In the old, he gave the people a new law. In the new, we are told he gave us a new heart. That's what it means to keep Pentecost. Say, keep Pentecost. Keep Pentecost. Jesus is always saying to us, do greater things. When it comes to racism in our country, we have to do better. We are better people than what we are seeing. We have to do greater things. That's my biggest prayer during this season, for a new heart of understanding to do greater things. A commitment to continue, as MLK said, to consider one another not by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. And make sure that commitment doesn't rise and fall with the tides of the news cycle. And that a few who decide to commit senseless violence and destruction does not destroy the message that is trying to be sent, mostly, most recently seen by the six girls who put together and led a march over 10,000 people strong. If you haven't watched their interview, you should. And there was not one incidence of violence. Protesting is the foundation of our country. Everybody has the right to protest peacefully. A conviction that my life will reflect something different than the racism that was allowed George Floyd to put on a hold for more than eight minutes that didn't allow him to breathe. And the other officers, even though they were brand new, wouldn't say a thing knowing that it was wrong against their senior officer. At some point, your morality has to overweigh your decisions to follow authority. You see, in the creation narrative, God's first gift to humans was to give us breath in our lungs and bring us life. And one of the most promising things I have seen started right here in Nashville. It was watching the National Guard lay down their riot shields and the THP put down their batons when asked by the protesters to do so. It was seen across the country. And it was seen as the protesters talked about 
a protester talked about his faith with a metro officer. And then these two prayed together in the midst of everything that was going on. Watch his interview too, the metro officer. It's pretty powerful. That, folks, is the Holy Spirit at work. And I don't have time to go into other parts. I'm going to be sending in an email. But Pastor Tony Evans says, Now is the time to reset ourselves both on a personal and systematic way on four levels. And these are those four. The first level is the individual. The second level is the family. The third level is the church. And the fourth level is the community. And I'm going to explain all of those later on today. And so I close with this by Bishop He Su Young of the Wisconsin area of the United Methodist Church in a piece he wrote called Lamenting and Bitter Weeping. Until we acknowledge that when, that when our brothers or sister is unjustly treated, no matter their race, ethnicity, economic level, ge- geography, education level, or political party, it is our responsibility to act. We haven't quite grasped what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Disciples are doers of the word, not hearers only. Disciples speak up. Disciples use whatever gift they have to do justice, love kindness and mercy, and walk humbly with God, all active rather than passive. The disciple's life is nothing less and nothing more than a no-holds-barred, whole-being greater thing participation in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. All of this is how God speaks. Jesus speaks in the God-struck voice. Amen. So as we gather together in this place and as we think about all of the things that happen on Pentecost, it's also the first Sunday of the month. And typically on the first Sunday of the month is when we gather together for communion. We will still continue the love feasts that we have been doing. And today we celebrate our agape meal on the Feast of Pentecost. To the beginning of the church, Jesus' followers have met together and shared meals, as Jesus did with so many during his ministry. It's a way for Christians to express community and fellowship and sharing. It is not a Eucharist, or what we often call communion, but a different way in which the church in those earliest years met together. During the recent months, we have not been able to meet together to break bread and share Holy Communion. This has certainly been a sadness for all of us. And so in this love feast, we can all share together even while we are separated in our different homes. So let us take a moment of quiet as we draw close to God in worship and praise on this Sunday, this Pentecost Sunday. Jesus Christ, whom we worship, is our crucified, risen, and ascended Lord. And we have walked with him through his journey of love. We have faced the agony of his suffering and the death on a cross. We have rejoiced at his bursting free from the bonds of death. We have enjoyed his risen presence with us and his revelation of himself through the breaking of bread. 
We have seen his return to the throne before, which every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that this Jesus is Lord. And now with the followers of his own time, we await the coming of the promised Holy Spirit, his gift to his people, through whom we make Christ known to all the world. You have a mic on? No, don't worry about it. You're good. So as we await in silence, I want you to join with me in this phrase, fill us with your spirit. All right? So I'm going to say some lines, and then everybody's going to join, fill us with your spirit. Here we go. As we await in silence, as we listen to your word, as we worship you in majesty, as we long for your refreshing, as we long for your renewing, as we long for your equipping, as we long for your empowering, and so be with us, Spirit of God. And join with me with the things you'll see on your screen. I'll be saying these. Be with us, Spirit of God. Nothing can separate us from your love. Breathe on us, breath of God. Fill us with your saving power. Speak in us wisdom of God. Bring strength, healing, and peace. Let us bless the Lord, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us praise and bless God forever. Being made one by the power of the Spirit, as our Savior taught us, so we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And let us <clears throat> keep going. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So as we pray together these words of Jesus, we give thanks for our daily bread and the meals we share with others. We call to mind meals shared with extended family and friends, gatherings of our church communities. So we rejoice at the memories of meals shared in a variety of settings, picnics, barbecues, lunches, and Wednesday nights. Meals shared with old friends and new friends and sticky kids. As we share our food today, please give thanks and pray for those who know, you know of who are in need of our prayers. Sister Margaret Basto, a spiritual retreat leader, once said, When the bread is broken, open for us, that is Eucharist. When we break ourselves open to each other, that is also Eucharist. Perhaps that is why something remarkable happens when people sit down to eat together. We share food and conversation. We become a part of each other's lives. We break ourselves open to one another. May this be true for all of us today. So I want you, as Rick gets our table ready, I want you to be able to find your bread or your comfort food, whatever you're using this morning in your juice. 
Our bread this morning is actually sourdough starter from Joy Cunningham, which is delicious. And our last grape juice is white. The purple's all gone. So we're down to white grape juice. And then you may have also picked up one of the uh, communion cups together. And uh, so we ask that you would do those things together. So as we share this bread, we pour out the, and as we pour out this juice, we thank you, God, for our daily bread, for the foods which delight and nourish us, and for the companionship that sustains us. We thank you, too, for drink to quench our thirst and for the living water with which you surprise and enrich and transform our lives. We give thanks for this feast at which we can share a foretaste of the holy realm. Amen. And so giving God, bless all those who are gathered around our table. May we know the presence of your Holy Spirit at every meal and in our sharing. Amen. You may now eat your bread and your juice at home. I hope it tastes wonderful. Rick, would you like to lead us in the 50, for 50 days? For 50 days, we have celebrated the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ over the powers of sin and death. We have proclaimed God's mighty acts, and we have prayed that the power that was at work when God raised Jesus from the dead might be at work in us. As part of God's church here in Hendersonville, I call you to live out what you proclaim. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you dare to walk in God's future, trusting God to be your guide? By the Spirit's power, we will. Will you dare to embrace each other and grow together in love? We will. Will you dare to share your riches in common and minister to each other in need? We will. Will you dare to pray for each other until our hearts beat with longing of God? We will. Will you dare to carry the light of Christ into the world's dark places? We will. Filled with the Spirit's power, go in the light and peace of Christ. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Now let us receive the invitation of Psalm 91, which we are praying all the way through July 12th. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the rest that comes when I choose to live in your shelter. I declare you alone are my refuge, my place of safety. You are my God. I trust in you. I pray you will protect me and my family from the coronavirus. I pray you will cover me and shelter me. I thank you for your faithful promises that remind you will protect me. Help me not to be afraid of all that I hear and all that I see. Help me not to dread the viruses terrorizing our world. Lord, many are sick and more are fearful and anxious. I pray protection for me, my family, my church, my community, my city, my state, my country, my continent, and my world. I pray, Lord, as I make you my refuge, that no evil will conquer us nor come near our home. I pray for protection by your angels wherever I go. Lord, I love you. I trust you. Please rescue and protect me. Thank you for answering when I call. Thank you for being with me in trouble. Thank you for salvation and the hope of heaven. Amen. Now let us sit in the presence of God and just soak in the words of come to the river and recognize the voice of Jesus.
to the river and taste and see. God is good. The bread of life is for everyone. And the Holy Spirit is here. We have all that we need and could ever want as long as we'll come to that river of ever-flowing water and let it wash over us and change us and refresh us and replenish us to go back out into the world. So may the blessings of God surround us. May angels and friends share our journey. May we be safeguarded, loved, and cherished. May we walk on holy ground. People of faith inspire us. May wisdom and justice empower us. May we be wise and strong and creative. May we celebrate life and hope and may God's image grow inside of us. May laughter and courage heal us. May the gospel of life sustain us all the days of our journey home and until we regather again. And may the peace of Christ comfort and sustain you now and forevermore until we join each other again. We miss you. We love you. Stay safe. Stay well. Journey with God.